All power to the people, African power to an African people, black power to black people. Man, that was you talking about an experience. And this is this is an important this is why we have these shows. To stress the importance of independence, complete self determination. I had probably one of the roughest times I've ever had trying to get into the program, and I see where uh, we've had people fall off that were trying to listen, and if for some reason it wasn't accepting my host pen. There again, I say, man, stressing the importance for self-determined and self-sufficiency. Greetings, everyone. This is your brother, Chairman Yang and Krumah, coming with you again with Independence Talk. Today is Radical Thought Wednesday, where we have our revolutionary rap, rap sessions. Where we sit and we discuss and we come up with, and, and why do we call it Radical Wednesday. When I say radical, I mean it in every sense of the word that we must start thinking outside the box and address politics, revolutionary politics, from a radical perspective, from a perspective that is uncommon. And I'm even looking for that thought, that spark of thought that is not just uncommon, but also just totally uh, uh, past the spectrum of creative. That is so uh, ingenious in its design and in the concept of it, man, that it it, it just, it, it, you can't help but to call it radical. But, I mean, it has to be practical. It has to be a real applicable solution. I think too many times we, uh, you know, we fall for the okey-doke, we fall for the hype. You've heard me say it on numerous Occasions, I guess I'm always harping on that because as of now, that's like one of my official pet peeves. You know, that's one of the things that disturbs me as of now, this whole social media phenomenon. I saw where it had its potential good to get our message out and to really use it as an opportunity um, to broadcast, to network. I mean, the, the potential behind it is limitless when dealt with with a people that have a healthy image and perception of themselves, with a people that are psychologically, emotionally, spiritually happy with themselves, even physically happy with themselves. But until you get that, if you don't have that, then using it, we use it, it can be used to, to uh, fuel Sicknesses, narcissism, uh, 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 low, low, uh, low egos. What do they call that? Self consciousness. All of those type of things. It can be used to really heal this. So this is why this has become my pet peeve because we've gotten to the point, like I said before, in one of the last programs, where we not only will watch the brutality of a people and watch the mistreatment of a people stand back and be a non-participant, be totally detached from the situation. But we've become so depraved and so sick in our thinking that we share that misery. We pull out our cameras and start to film it and broadcast it and rebroadcast it and share it all throughout their social media, taking away. And, and what that is doing to me, in my opinion, of course, I'm not a licensed psychiatrist. I don't sit here and pretend to be uh Sigmund Freud, or I speak of black psychologists, a lot of us are familiar with my dear brother, Umar Johnson. I don't pretend to even be in their lights. 
but every revolutionary to a degree has a measure of social scientists in them. You have to. You have to realize that you're a doctor of your community, your neighborhood, your people. You must be able to remove yourself emotionally from the situation long enough to have a rational and logical view, perception, understanding of what's going on, and from that start to try to draw some type of, uh, uh, come up with some type of solutions. And why, like I said before, why radical is it? Because the, as radical as our condition is, the conditions that we live in is it's going to take radical solutions to come up with any type of uh, any type of real solutions. You see, it's to come up with any type of real solutions. So we look at that. So to go back to the Facebook, my Facebook, my Facebook rant. Um. So it's it's disconnected us, and since we don't have these, since we don't have this connection with uh, our neighbors, with our brothers and sisters in the street, a real connection with the trench brothers and sisters, we don't come up with we don't, and and since we have more of a connection with entertainment and education and the passing on, and if not that, the passing on of of uh, I call it entertainment of sensationalism. Since we have a more connection to that. We look for our revolution to be fought and broadcast through our social media. One of the big, I'm going to tell you how you can tell this phenomenon. You were here so frequently. People holler out, I don't see what you're doing. I don't see what y'all niggas doing. I don't see what you're doing. Even though you live in a completely another state. What you mean to say is since you haven't seen us on Facebook or social media, you naturally assume, you know, I'm not even going to say naturally assume because it's not natural to assume some, you know, maybe it is for a lot of Negroes, but it's not intelligent to assume shit without at least being doing all the investigation you can and then you just left to your assumption where you have to use it. But then they call that an educated guess. So you assume since you don't see us on Facebook that no one is doing anything. You see, because our war is 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 waged through these Facebook pages. Let me tell you why I have a problem with that, and I was talking to a comrade today about that. Because the problem I have with that is called exploitation, demoralization, dehumanization. Let me break that down for us, but this is why this is political Wednesdays, because we're going to use these words. I want us to understand Exactly what I'm saying. That's called what we call either shining or clowning on the people. Why is it that if I want to receive uh, a tray of your help or your assistance, I have to pose with, in a picture with you throwing a black fist, smiling? I'm not. This is not one of the happiest moments of my life. And I'm not supposed to be so elated and just overcome with joy because you Negroes and decided once out of uh, a blue moon to come out here and give me a plate. Am I supposed to just be elated because you're shoving cameras in my face for Facebook likes? You got me clowning and buffooning 
for a biscuit. Also, you can get out here and posture and grandstand amongst the, your little comrades who are probably doing the same stuff you're doing, exploiting our people for some Facebook likes. And one of the young soldiers told me he was he was he was talking to me and schooling me at the same time. It's, it's funny, you know, how the young brothers, especially when you've dealt with them and watched them grow and develop into such strong young men, how they can, you know, they have a way of they show their respect by really getting on you, but not just really getting on you. But they let you know, yo, this is the area. And one of the key things that he kept that kept coming up in the conversation was consistency. They don't see our consistency anymore. We've become a vent uh, uh, organizations. And don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not one of those people that like to down everything that us as African people in America are doing or black people are doing. You know, I don't like all this. I'm not one of those people. But, you know, at times you have to call a spade a spade. And it's called constructive criticism. You know, if your big brother don't tell you, if I don't pull your coat, like we used to say, I'm pulling your coat. If I don't pull your coat, who's going to pull your coat? Somebody else going to play you. That's what I was taught. So those that love you are pulling your coat. So I'm pulling our coat. I'm pulling our coat. That we don't, they don't see a consistent effort from us. We don't, we don't have programs. We throw events. We have become a people that love costumery. We love a good show. Lacking the substance. Because that's when the work comes in. When it starts to take, when you have to not only come up with a uh, program, you know, not only when you come up with a program, but when you have to, like I said, not just come up with it, but when you have to actually start to defy and break down its working parts, when you have to utilize the people and start putting people in place. Later for the events, man. Let's start getting some of these programs with some long longevity. That's what we have to. That's where I, that's where I think lies. That's why I said radical. You know, this is radical. And like always, man, this is independent Black Talk Radio. Love to hear from you. This is your radio. This is an opportunity to come express yourself, to share with us, to use your voice. Let us hear what you got to say. How you feeling on the subject? Because to me, I mean, it, it's it's when out there, it's been a minute since I've been in the trenches with the brothers and sisters. It's been a minute. This is what we, you know, I love to call them the trenches, the actual physical contact out there building with some of my comrades who are dedicated enough. They're not with this Facebook. I told one of the, I told the soldier, I said, yo, man, call in, man, break it down. Exactly how you break the meat. man, blog talk, don't do nothing, man. Tired of talking. Chair, I'm tired of talking, bro. You ain't When you actually getting out there with these brothers and sisters who got their boots on the concrete, who are not about seeing a lot of us we've turned the movement into a classes elitist movement we we've, we've become the red cross we've become the saviors 
we're going to go in there, we're going to feed the homeless, and we're going to uh, we're going to shelter the homeless and feed the homeless, and all of that is very noble. It's very noble, but it has a hint of a tainting of elitism and classism. That now you know we're gonna we're doing something for the disenfranchised and impoverished. Excellent, that's a good sentiment. But the sad part of that sentiment is when you start to separate yourself from that emotionally and spiritually. That's why we say our people. Because if he's this or she is disenfranchised and impoverished, you are disenfranchised and impoverished. So it's not enough to set up the table and to go out here and to feel good and get this warm, tingly feeling inside because I fed the hungry and the homeless. Sit and eat with them. Develop a program. Help to start to come up with conceptions and programs that will start to teach them to feed themselves. Self-sufficiency. We've forgotten. What we are, us at the People's Black Panther Party, are a political defense, self-determinist movement. Our long-term goals, aims, aspirations, and objectives are self-determination. I love that picture that that Sister Justice put up on the radio program. I had to, you know, a little ego thing shot through me then. It's me of my Black Legion uniform on. I'm honored to be a first lieutenant in the Black Legion of the Republic of New Africa. That's my political aspiration. That's my goal. Ten-point platform, number 10 in what we want and what we believe. We believe that a platform site, point number 10, platform number 10, is necessary for the African man and woman here in America to come together at their chosen, at their own chosen location, at their own chosen place, at their own chosen time, by their own fruition and own accord, to decide what form of body will govern in them in the complete and total self-determination of their people, that we determine our destiny. We want to end to the will for an intentional hindrance and encumbrance of allowing the people to naturally evolve, to naturally grow into our destiny. Basically, sum it all up like they say in the street, stop fucking with us. That's what we're saying, stop fucking with us. Basically, all of that, that's, that, that's what I'm telling And that's what the young brothers and sisters, and not just young people, but the older people and the in-between people of all economic class and uh, uh, um, station are saying, because they're feeling the reprisals and repercussions of being African here in America. How can you not? So we must address that. What is the answer to that? The answer to that. We say self-determination. How is self-determination realized? How is self-determination reached? You start by learning self-sufficient independence, real programs that count on all of us, that everyone sees their part, they're playing how vital and important it is by progress, whether that be, you know, it's going to be slow progress, whether that be everybody get together, and y'all got to forgive me. Y'all know y'all sure can't multitask. Whether you got to get together and um, whether you have to get together and buy a Sam's card, go in on groceries once a month. It's, it's small steps. We have to get out of this elitist classes mentality of thinking that we can save the world. You know, now, first of all, let me explain why the European has this attitude. It's just from my observations. There again, I'll remind my disclaimer. 
before these crackers come and say it's practicing psychology without a license. My disclaimer to the cracker, my disclaimer to the white man. It's just my observation as being a black man. You made me a social experiment. I've taken that and, and, and made myself a self-proclaimed social scientist. And my observation of you, Mr. White Man, is that if you this is how you assage your guilt. You have created these conditions of poverty. You have created these conditions of disenfranchisement. You have created these conditions of disillusionment to where our people escape through self-medication and outright insanity, escape into a fantasy world in their head because they can't deal with the day-to-day pressures, post-traumatic slave disorder. You have created this. So then you come back to assage your guilt. You see, even the devil know God is God. Even the devil know God is God. So to assage your guilt, to ease what little piece of consciousness that you have that ties you to humanity, that little piece of thread that ties you, that has just completely kept you from over the realm of being beastal, that little thing in you that holds you to humanity, you have to massage that. You have to at least acknowledge that, and you do that through your programs, through your Section 8 and your welfare and your food stuff since you've created these conditions. But, oh, my brothers and sisters, don't get it confused. This is why self-determination is so important. Don't get it confused because these programs that they have for us are a way to create dependency. And once you create the dependency, a thing, you have made this thing dependent on you, you've taken and changed its very nature. Didn't in the letters of Willie Lynch it talk about that we must not let the black man or black woman uh, find out their true nature? This is what he says in his letter. So they... When you create a thing or when you make something dependent on you, you take its true nature. You change it from being a a a a a uh, entity or a being of aspiration and vision and goals and dreams, self-determinist. You take that. It goes back to a study they had, like they took a lion. Out of the jungle. They took the mother out of the jungle. She was ferocious. She fought all her life. Even when they wanted to pray, they didn't have more lions for the zoo, and they brought in a male lion that had been tamed and docile. She fought him. Tore his butt up. He back in the corner. He back in a little growl. He don't even roar. She roared. He just growled around. Meow. Lion. Big bad lion getting tore But her nature took over, and so they made it. Eventually, nature will win through. You see, he wasn't a lion. He was a pussycat. But nature eventually took over, and they made it. And in the mating, they had baby lions. And though the mother was ferocious to the end of her days, the baby lions, being born in captivity, only knew this white man coming out with a bottle because the mother had died, so they didn't even nurse on the bottle. Mother. The ferocious mother, it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if they would have killed that lion, didn't want any of that ferociousness to go into the children. So they spoon fed the babies and come out and pat on the babies and loved on the babies. Lions purring like pussy cats, house cats. These for a king of the jungle made servant to observers through glass to mock to knock on the glass and make mockery and faces at the greatest beast to walk the planet, to walk through Africa, a lion. They say his, mouth, his roar can be heard for miles. 
and he was so dependent in when uh, these uh, human rights activists and SEPA and SEPAs and all I don't know. I'm not knocking because I am an animal activist. I believe the animals have rights. Yeah, we're all interconnected on this planet. So I do believe in the rights of animals, and I am totally against the mistreatment of animals. But when these people came through and said, this is a travesty, how can you lock this lion up? Let's return them to the jungle. Let's return them to its natural habitat. Whose natural habitat? Surely not the lion cub. See, the lion cub had been born in captivity, had been dependent upon its oppressor, its kidnapper. He had kidnapped his mother, and by extension of the birth, it is a victim of kidnapping. This cub that had been grown dependent on the very people who had snatched his mom and put a weak lion in there and made his daddy a weak lion and forced him to make, he had become dependent on these people. And when he was given freedom and put in the jungle, you all know what happened. He eventually died. Couldn't eat with other lions. He was too weak, smelled too much like human. Couldn't fend for himself. So he eventually died. He, he was institutionalized. How many of us as African people are going through this daily? We're institutionalized whether we're inside the institution or outside the institution. So the only solution is to start programs where we pull together and we pull these resources and we say, hey, you know what, I'm not dead yet. And we start with small. We know the old saying. We know what you Negroes are going to say. We already know you naysayers. We already know you haters in the heart, you secret, undercover Negro haters. You hate yourself. You do. You do. We were taught to hate ourselves. And, it, and it's very real. It's one thing to say, though, we were taught to hate ourselves. It's very real. That's real. You hate yourself. You hate yourself, and you're too cowardly to kill yourself, so you kill every other black person you see every day, whether it's looking at them cockeyed, rolling eyes, having a statement that isn't positive and uplifting, or uh, just outright hatred through energies and vibrations. We hate ourselves through the fact you can see it in our self-mutilation. We hate ourselves. So if we don't believe it even up to that point, then we take small measures. You start an investment group. If you're not a part of the party, we would love to have you. Listen, we love everybody's not going to make it. I'm going to tell you, I am a tough chairman. You can call in. You can get the application. We're going to send you the aptitude test. My chief of staff is on it. My aptitude test is 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 remarkable. I mean, it's not anything hard. It's just showing where you're at. It's an aptitude test. And so everyone doesn't make it. But I would say that even those that don't make it, join a progressive black organization. And from there, start a little um, investment club. You can afford $20 a month. Our dudes, and these can cover little things, and you decide, and this is how you went, and then start out with, you know, if, if, if you're into the bank account now, whatever, with your joint bank account, your business bank account, work on building your thing. This is, that's small, but this is what starts to build that camaraderie. And from small think tanks, great ideas are birthed. But it's going to start with the word has to be African communalism, collectivity. All the principles that we say are happening in this Kwanzaa. Not just knowing them in Swahili and getting up and reciting the definition and it looks cute in your dashiki. And we got our children wearing all the colors. 
but really enacting it, it being in our heart. The soldier, I was talking to the soldier. I was saying earlier that the soldier and I was talking, man, I'm talking about a wonderful visit. I had visited with the soldiers in a minute, hadn't been out there, really just got the perspective. I was I was encouraged. It had been a rough day. You know, you wonder what direction you're going in, and at times it's, it can seem overwhelming. You can question, why am I doing this? That old saying is so true sometimes where they say ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. They so bliss. We even say, bless his little ignorant heart. Bless that little, bless that Negro. Bless his ignorant heart. Naivety, unaccountable spending, looseness, no morality or ethics. Doesn't give a damn. Just breezing through life. Sometimes it looks just wonderful. So sitting out, being able to have a heart to heart, and they talk with the soldier man was so man refreshing. Like I said, I hadn't been out there to receive that perspective in a while. So to receive that perspective was not just refreshing, but it was a complete and total eye-opener, man. It was like being doused in cold water. And we talked about a program that we saw the babies out there playing, riding their bikes, doing their thing that they had got for Christmas. You know how it is a couple of days after, play with the toys. So they're riding their bikes. And he said, Listen, you know, we're out here. The people want to see consistency. They want to see us on the move. They don't want this just to be an event or a time. They want to see us all the time. See, that's how people get to know they can trust you and your sense of stability. And he said that we can be out here, we can watch the kids play and protect the kids and get to the point where we offer little lunches or something. I said, that's wonderful. And even add to that because that's excellent. But how can we? Now, here's the question. And me and the brother was building on it. How do we get the community involved with that program so it becomes a self-sufficient program? I say we have enough money to run the program for 90 days on our own at least, but encourage the parents and, 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 and the other guardians of the children. We say, hey, look. We're out here, we're going to monitor the children, we're going to protect the neighborhood, and we're going to pass out the lunches. But we would like, and we know everybody getting these stamps. I mean, we ain't got to say this to them, but we know what it is. It's a hard time. Can people donate once a month the waters, the juicy juice, maybe some meat, and we'll make the sandwiches, we'll put them in the bag, we'll watch the babies, we'll make sure everybody get a sack and a snack, and we'll divide and do all that. But can we participate in this collective group babysitting project or child monitoring project? This is where the government killed us. It made us, end up, it made us dependent. We stopped having the need to rely on one another. See, back in the days, and I don't advocate segregation. I am not a segregationist. Segregation, but I am a separatist. I believe segregation is when someone else controls your resources and your institutions and the things that you do, where you stand, what vehicle you ride on, they put you where they want to put you. I don't advocate any man having power over me, over my people, but us to have the power willfully to separate. Because your history has shown that you would not accept us. You don't want us, and we don't want to be with you. 
We have to stop being ashamed of that. Why do you want to be with somebody of people who tell you that you can't handle freedom? When you talk about freedom, or you talk like you and I are talking, and you have this radical talk, you have this empowering talk, the first thing, some of you that have white coworkers know that this is the truth. You can bear witness to this. First thing these liberals like to say is, well, you've made so many progress. You, you've progressed so far. Look, you got a black president who has come so far. How do you measure the distance on a people's pain and suffrage? Explain that. Like our dear brother Malcolm said, don't pull the back out and itch and tell me that I made progress. Don't pull the knife out of my back an inch or three inches and tell me I made progress. Remove the knife. Don't tell me at least they don't hang us from trees no more like that, but they murder us in the streets. Remember Mike Brown. I say, remember our dear young man, Trayvon Martin. Remember Sandra Blaine. Remember them all. So don't tell me that we've made progress. But this is what a dependency grows. What happens when the people become dependent on their oppressor? I've seen people be cruel to animals, and they kick the dog and beat the dog, and the dog still comes back. <laughs> to be kicked and beat some more, and it comes back. <laughs> it's a mental illness. It's a sickness that keeps us accepting uses, being complacent with our living conditions, when all it ever really takes is a little effort. A positive mental attitude. A lot of you play sports. You know the routine. I'm not saying anything that you don't know. What did the coaches tell you? We can do it. Show you these fight physics. We can do it. Positive mental attitude, PMX, with some effort and some action minded. But why, when it comes to you, your black, beautiful self, when it comes to your brothers and sisters, we act like this is the hardest thing in the world to accomplish some black unity. We make more excuses. Why there's not black unity? We throw up more division, more divisiveness. The things that doesn't allow us to come together, we have to examine ourselves on that. And we start small. Before in the People's Black Panther Party, before there is a chapter, before there's chairman and ranks, we have representatives and study groups. Before you're a chapter, recognized as an official chapter, you must start as a study group. Why? It's not just to study the text, but to study one another, to study your environment and your conditions, to start to build that camaraderie. We encourage members to eat together. You must build a family. Our institutions have become so sterile. They're sterile, man. They're, they're, they're cold. They're distanced. There again, one of my beats with Facebook. It's not like when I first got in the movie coming up, I was a cub, so I always saw the communalist aspect. It's one thing I would have said about my father. He practiced what he preached. Chairman Carr definitely practiced what he preached. But it, when I first got in, back into the movement, the um, I was when I rose to the rank at that particular time under you know years ago, eons ago. 
it feels like a lot of times. Under a different formation, different chairman, I was in the Midwest, uh, and I rose to the deputy minister, um, regional deputy chief of security. I don't even know what that is. It just meant that I traveled to different cities and towns and helped build them up. It was something like over a local field marshal, but under a national field, I don't know. It was the brother that would go to the different cities and towns and help with the chapters. And I loved it. I relished every minute of it. An opportunity to meet brothers and sisters of like mind who shared ideas, who had the same passion and enthusiasm as I had. I loved sleeping on the floor, sleeping on the couch. I just slept in cars in my travels from one city to another. Revolutionary. Going to free my people. I just want to do my part. I loved it. And somewhere along the way, it became so sterile. It became so commercial. It became so, look what I'm doing and not look what we're doing. I don't know when this phenomenon happened, but it was the day to me that a lot of the energy and power in the movement had died. It was a sad day for me, a tremendous day for me. That realization creeping on me. And I stopped hearing and stopped seeing the ingenious brothers and sisters, the enthusiastic and eager brothers and sisters that were full of dreams and vision, goals that were just bursting with ambition and ideas to free their people. I stopped seeing these people being attracted to the movement. And I started seeing the same demagoguery, the same empty rhetoric, hate the white man, murder, kill, death, destruction, despair, what we came to, what this is, and after a while, so it sounded like whining. I have children. It sounded like, Daddy, I want some candy, but you won't give me the candy till I eat all my food, all my plate. It sounded like bitching and crying. It bothered me. That's when I knew the movement had become sterile, that we had lost that our contact with the roots. You see, when a tree loses its roots, it loses its nutrients. It eats. The roots are the fillers. Not only does it eat, what do the roots do? If a tree's roots become weak and it's disattached from the roots, the tree what? Topples. It topples over. The roots are what keeps the tree steady. So we have to go back so the revolutionary understands that his or her base is in the community, the roots. Our programs have to be programs that alleviate, that address, not only address the pain of our people, but that offers solutions to alleviate that pain. If our programs aren't addressing that, they're not addressing anything. We have to be careful. And remember these words, brothers and sisters, that I'm saying to you because these are uh, this revolutionary wisdom. I'm going to use them. And you'll hear them again and again and again and again and over and over again until when I say them, it triggers something. You say, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So the word that I'm harping on today is elitist, classist, bourgeoisie. And this is what 
has started to happen to us, we're in danger of our movement. Is it reflective of the people anymore? Their events to cater, to entertain a certain class, a certain demographic of the so-called conscious community. It's become a song and dance show, a pony show, a fashion show, a intellectual debate. Who can quote who the most or who has read this the most? And none of it is being used for what those scientists and that knowledge of our dear brother, Defense Minister Huey, Chairman Bobby Seals, Field Marshal George Jackson, our BLA fighters, Matula Shakur, Sundar Akola, so on and so forth, Abba Noor Washington, Rahim from Allah we come to Allah we come, may Allah have mercy on These types who have left this inspiration for us to learn and grow from, and they were such real revolutionaries that they don't mind constructive criticism. They had self-criticism sessions. The true revolutionaries, those true revolutionaries and the true revolutionaries today know not to put themselves in the footsteps of God, the God. I'm not going to get into right now the metaphysics of all us being God, having God in us. But know that, uh, I'm sorry. Footsteps of God that they can't be criticized or they don't have a flaw in their theory or that something can't be learned from a failure in their practice. They're open to that type of criticism, critique and criticism, if it's going to better us, better us and empower us. This is what that's for. But we get so, we become so arrogant, and, 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 and that's why I thought you'll hear me say it. Like, you'll often hear me say the same thing over and over again. Smartphones have made some of the dumbest people. This ability to access anything on the computer without real study or thought has created some of the craziest things. Because you still haven't learned being a student and being a revolutionary is not how much you know, but there's a discipline that must accompany that knowledge. There's a revolutionary discipline. A panther has a certain behavior, point blank. Chairman Carl just says we talk about a uniform. He says that you, the uniform doesn't make you, you make the uniform. If his house caught on fire and he ran out of the house, they would say there goes a butt-naked panther. The uniform doesn't make you, you make the uniform. But too many now with this new age, the age I call sensationalism. I mean, that's the only word I can give it because we have, we have just, we just love it. We eat it up. We devour it. I mean, all of it. And we become, when we do this, then our feelings are hurt 
when we find out that our dogs are really cats, that none of this is as we thought it was, that I get in this movement is not like this, and so on and so on. Because there was no real investigation in the first place, and there was no really time to take time to take uh, there was no time taken in really getting your own studies and your political education going. I'm sorry that I get this phone. And real political education going. You see, so we get duped. We have to ask ourselves, we should challenge ourselves, and then after challenging ourselves, challenge those organizations, and a good challenge, challenge the organization that we belong to, and say, what is your vision and your direction? But you first have to know yours, brothers and sisters. You have to know what you want. And after knowing what you want, then you can get with like minds to start to sit and formulate a a vehicle or a to construct a vehicle or to blaze a trail or a path to achieve those aspirations. But we don't know what we want. Self-determination. What is self-determination? Listen, our phone lines are always open to our brothers and sisters to call in, to hit one if you want to share your views, comments, opinions. I love hearing from you. I love sharing with you. So this is these are these are some of the some of the issues that we have to address. And I started the grassroots because that's the basic. What people ask yourself, what people are you trying to reach and trying to appeal to? That's another question. My demographic, when we get out here, I understand the People's Black Panther Party is like, I tell them, we're like a missionary. We do missionary work. Minus the exploitation of the people. But we do missionary work. We don't have to go to Africa to do the missionary work. We don't have to go to um, uh, 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 South America, Central America, anywhere to do missionary work right here. We have some of the same conditions, if not worse, right here. I know in, when I was coming up in the 80s, they said Harlem's, this was in Harlem. You know, they said Harlem's, the life expectancy for black males was lower than that in Bangladesh. This was in the 80s. So there's work to be done right here. Disease, poor health, miseducation, no education, social, cultural, total destruction and breakdown, malfunction, family malfunction, relationship malfunction, identity crisis, economic exploitation. You name it, there's work to be done right here. But a lot of us are, we don't, we don't really, first of all, we have to, it's like being an addict. First, recognize, yo, I have a problem. We have a problem. I have a problem. I may suffer to some degree from neocolonialism, from some type of white male thinking to where I'm setting up this elitist, remember these words, remember these words, this elitist class is bourgeoisie thinking, a me better than them, instead of a us mentality. So then I begin to judge. 
And when I begin to judge, and I'm not saying that judging is wrong, so you need to have some type of judgment. Don't be a fool. I'm not asking anyone to be foolish. But I'm asking when you have that judgment or when you wear the mantle of being someone to judge, by what standards are you judging by? Because if you're judging by African standards, then that very judgment will be based in love and compassion and a sense of how can I aid and assist how can I better this condition for this individual? Not disdain and disgust. Not disdain and disgust. Not shooing away. Looking down your noses. Not having this sense of detachment. Some kind of way of feeling that I'm better than this individual. Without first, an African judgment is a judgment of wisdom. We ascertain facts. We started to get prejudice means to prejudge. We started to develop all these characteristics from our oppressors. Sometimes I wonder if we the prejudge, would we be in the position we were in there? We wouldn't have accepted their answer when they got off that boat and <laughs> ran them back on that boat. But we're in accepting people. Come sit, break bread. Let's hold possible. Let's talk. Let's politic. This is what I know. What do you know? Absolutely nothing, and I'll teach you. This is African people for you. This is what we did. And this is what we continue to do to the detriment of ourselves. And then when you and I or people like you and I come along and say, hey, we have to first work on getting ourselves together. This isn't about hating anyone. I personally don't hate them, but if you do, I'm not going to tell you not to. I'm not going to get that, oh, you can't hate anyone. I'm not going to listen. Do what you got to do. But this is not, this organization is not about hating anyone. It's about loving ourselves and about propagation the continuance of a species, of an African identity. Why is that important? Because it isn't the black man or woman that they're going to kill. How would they kill the African identity? How would they kill the African? By destroying the African culture, by destroying the sense of African pride and African worth by rewriting history and denying us our African achievements. They do it all, and I think they had a movie, Gods of Egypt, Egyptian gods, gods of Egypt, and every character in there was European. When Batman, Christopher, Christopher Bailey, when Batman can play Moses. When they remove you from such a glorious and rich history that you no longer have a, self, a sense of self-worth. If you don't know what you have done, you don't know what you can do. So when you have you and I that come along and teach that, not only do we find resistance, the job has been so good, not only do we find resistance from those that don't look like us, but the very people that are us and look like us, you will find a lot of times, in a lot of instances, the most resistant. And with that yet and still, it isn't the green light to give up. You still have to continue. You have to dig deep down and understand that this person, I'm not saying that, you know, um, continue with them in their ignorance or engage in a debate or anything, but have to, at some sense, even if you have to cut them off or whatever, feel a sense of sorrowfulness for their ignorance, for the destruction of any 
resemblance of their African self for that loss of self-worth. You're talking to a person that has no self-worth. What could be worse than that? A person who totally despises themselves. So you see them shoving any food in their mouth, just gorging. They don't give a damn, no sense of self-worth. You see them partaking of any chemical substance, whether it be alcohol, and, and I mean overabundance. I'm not knocking my social drinks. I'm not knocking even little brother puppies or whatever. In overabundance, excessively sickening to where our young people are so self-medicated, you know, because I kick with young people. They do the thing called lean where they just pass out. They get on the drug. They on prescriptions. They put the stuff to lean the syrup. Syrup, syrup. Young homies. And they drink that, and they just go to sleep. They don't even want to be conscious. I'm on that lean, dog. I'm just clocking out. Good night. <sighs> Done with it. What kind of society produces what must they be going through to want to sleep away your youth? I remember when I was a young man. Man, you couldn't sleep away my youth, please. The only thing that used to catch me without moving a step was the streetlights. They said, don't let the streetlights catch you on. Streetlights catch me every night. I race them every night. I loved life. Couldn't stay in the house. And society has become so twisted and so dark and, and, and heavy for our young men that they opt, to, and young men and women, that they opt to, 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 to clock out. how devastating this world must be for them. So we're looking at this type of you, you, you have to have some type of compassion, and from that compassion, prayerfully, my hopes are that some type of something will grow, some desire to change these conditions, some type of realization that our future is in jeopardy. Not just black people, that I'm not getting on, just, but a resistance, a resistance movement, a freedom movement, the movement that produces the likes of Fannie Lou Hammer and Rosa Parks and even the civil rights and going all the way to our revolution, Asada, the likes, and, 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 and Angela and so on and so forth, Queen of Zing and so that like the likes that produced the Malcolms and the Hueys that produced had this revolutionary element, and it was so profound and so strong at that time that they were spitting them out in numbers. You had Huey, Bobby, Matula, Lumumba, Stokely, H-Rod all in the same breath, right after Malcolm, who was taken from us early. So this generation, the universe, produced this type of resistance for people, and now the attack has been so steady and so consistent and so heavy that we get sporadic leadership. And in many instances, it's a stretch to call it that. It's a stretch to call it that. We have to go back to and and so when we when this happens to us, Our prayers are that uh, when this type of thing happens to us, 
our prayers are that it will, if you can't do it yourself or take it on yourself, you will get with a collective. You will get with some brothers or sisters of like mind so that you don't shoulder this whole burden. That you're not forced to take on this whole burden. But at the same time, you participate in trying to alleviate some of it. You carry your fair share. This is what the People's Black Panther Party is about. Self-determination. A collective. A collective. Of like minds of like nature, trying to get something done, trying to achieve what needs to be achieved. This is what we're hoping out of it. And then again, I go back, brothers and sisters, I tell I see we got listeners. A lot of times, sister, my uh, minister of justice told me that apparently, chairman, that means you're saying something right. <laughs> you know, let's go to the... Uh, Let's go to the, the lines. 915-9145. Good evening, Chairman. This is Kim. How are you? I'm well, Sister Kim. How about yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Um, you hit on, again, some very wonderful topics that are so on point. Um, it sort of ties in um, what you were discussing on the very first time I came on the show. Um, I was very, for me, myself, I was very much into doing it by myself. Um, and I did it by myself because people kept quitting on me. Um, mm-hmm. no matter how much we talked about it, no matter how much, um, energy they had in the beginning, that was great. But to put the plan into action um, all of a sudden everybody got busy. Um, it became frustrating. But one thing I did realize is we all can't quit. So I made a commitment to the people that I love very much. I'm very much in love with our people that no matter what, I'm not authorized to quit. Um, and I'm glad I didn't because – uh, along the way, I found other people that made that same commitment of not quitting. And it was just, um, I guess it was just in the timing. Um, mm-hmm. When you make that commitment and you commit to going forward and the people are who you focused on, um, it, it's amazing who uh, joins your walk with you. And um, when you ask the national question, um and you find that there are very similar uh, concerns in communities, regardless if you live far apart. I have a comrade, uh, and she lives in California, and um, found that, you know, some things that I could do could help her in her community and raise her, raise funds for it. Um, some of the things that she does, you know, give me ideas to implement in my own Uh and then hearing from some, she introduced me to other comrades. And, you know, in that aspect, I think social media has been a very fantastic tool. Um, I have my moments, 
Yeah, I have my moments of being retarded. Of course I do. Um, But I also find that I can see what my comrades are doing and go, hmm, let me tap her on the shoulder and ask questions. And I think that's that's the key. I like that comrades are posting some pictures. They don't do it a lot. Um, And it's done because, like you said, people say, well, I don't see you doing it. And it's like, uh, I don't live where you live, just like you said. Um, Mm -hmm. I've also met many uh, black women who say, I can't do this by myself. And Mm -hmm. had I quit, I would be in that same pool of people. So sort of leading by example. Um, yeah. Kind of grew up, do as I say, not as I do. I threw mm-hmm. that out a long time ago. And so now if you, you walk the walk, you talk the talk. You, you do it. And um, I get the chance to talk to people about starting their own business with the money in their pocket mm-hmm. and different ways of, of of pooling it together and, yeah, I can help you with this part and this part. I'll help you write up a business plan so you don't have to pay anybody. So there's different ways of going about it. I never thought I would be able to utilize all those skill sets that I've, you know, gained or gleaned on my time on the planet to help other people mm-hmm. and, and just watch them blossom. But, you know, the comrades that I have come in contact with, um, we're constantly coming up with ideas and looking at not only how we can do the self-reliance part, but what we're, when we communicate and we're talking and, and, and we're doing a sisterhood discussion, we are, we're hurt. Yeah. And we've got to figure a way to, to, to heal those hurt um, parts while with love, of course, and while showing them that they are very capable and er eradicating that fear. A lot of people don't think it's fear, but it is fear because Mm -hmm. uh, I've tested some theories. You know, I listen to some of the stuff that that people will post on Facebook, and I purposely, you know, um, get in that mode, and I just start, well, okay, that's nice, but what are you going to do about it? And I see the deflection automatically hits when you start asking them personally what they're going to do about it. There's never right. an answer. And so that's my challenge. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? And and they'll get upset on top of that because they're more comfortable sitting back throwing rocks at other folks. But when you and it's easier turn to it do. back to them. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so um, – what I found is when I, I I I connected with, you know, the comrades I have, we can have that conversation. We can express our frustration. Um, we can be enraged and yell and scream and shout. And when it's over, we go back out here and, and encourage each other and keep it going. Because that's what comes out of that when you start doing it together, even though we're separated by hundreds, even thousands of miles apart. It's almost mm-hmm. like they're, they're here, you know, and, and, it, and our creativity seems to quadruple when we're together yeah. and, and we're communicating. It's odd. You know, so. I'm going to do that. Pardon? I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was, I was oh. saying absolutely. And it's going to do that, that yeah. mastermind. 
yes. come together. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. For example, um, one of my comrades, she's actually on the phone. I, I'm hoping that she'll click in. Um, she uh, was doing, <laughs> she was doing um, getting food to the people. And she has some other ideas on helping them becoming self-sustaining, which is amazing. And I start looking like, wait a minute now, I, I have my own home, you know. And, and I started doing some digging. And I live in the great country, I'm going to put it like that, of Texas, because <laughs> that's what it seems mm-hmm. like. But what I found was Texas has some very lenient laws. Uh, for instance, you know, you can capture rainwater. They don't care. Matter of fact, that's another thing. I live in the desert part. So water conservation, they're like, yes, we'll even give you rain barrels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other people in different places are getting fined. And uh, yeah. so I asked them, what if I was to put fruit trees in front of my home and I had an abundance of fruit? Can I give them away? And they laid it out for me. Yes, ma'am. You can actually put it in a container. You could put it right on the sidewalk of your property and put a sign, a sign up that says free to take. I said, I won't get cited. Absolutely not. Whoa, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, I got ideas, and I bounced that off my comrades, and they're like, yeah, well, what kind of fruit? Yes. Well, that's <laughs> right. To the, right. We'll care, to the, and, that, and, and, and it's something that's that simple, Sister Kim. It's right. that simple. You know, right. and but what that mm-hmm. takes is that reaching out, that networking you did, what our parties, what our organizations are good for, that networking, reaching out right. and getting out there. I like the question that you posed to them, and what are you doing? You know, and mm-hmm. that getting out there and, and working. So, Kim, I want you to hold those, those some of those thoughts so yep. we can come back around, because this might, mm-hmm. one of these may be your partner you were I speaking think. of. Let's go back, um, check our phone lines again. You're dealing with independent talk, black talk radio. This is your opportunity to talk, to say what you want to say, you know, um, express your views, comments, or opinions. Every call 504-1282. Your mic is open. Black power, brother. Black power. Mother Melody, how are you? I'm okay, my brother. How you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you for asking. That's good. That's good. Good to hear your voice on the radio. <laughs> I was um, listening to your show, and as you know, I have a thing about Kwanzaa, and I mm-hmm. think you know why. I, I think you know why. I heard you are uh, using those terms, and um, if you didn't listen to my show last night, it's just something I want to say. Um, Ron Karinga, Maulana Karinga, was responsible for the death of Bunchy Carter. Black Panther, which is unforgivable, and also responsible for the death of two black women, which he mutilated. Um, I don't believe that we as revolutionaries should be indulging in any type of anything that is done by counter-revolutionaries like Ron Karenga. Uh I think that we spend way too much money uh, indulging in holy days that they make up, and we have so many real holy days of our own from ancient Kemet uh, that are still being practiced on the African continent. Um, I've spoken to several African brothers in Swahili and sisters, 
And they laugh at me when I talk about Kwanzaa. <laughs> uh, they tell me it's no such word as Kwanzaa, uh, that um, the um, seven principles that he has, only three of those, uh, four of those words are Swahili. And out of the four of those words that are Swahili, he uses them in the wrong context. Um, so, you know, I look at stuff like this, and then I understand why our children are so disappointed, you know. Um, I really do, because how can we as Panthers forget that two of our own were killed? by this man's command and his group uh, called Revolution. I think it's Ram um, is the name of the group. No, uh, uh, United Slaves Organization. Oh, the United Slaves Organization. Yeah, with a name like that, right? <laughs> okay. Um, how can we um, even indulge in anything that negative? You know, I don't get it, and, and I see – black people doing it, you know, and I think it's out of uh, wanting to fit in, you know, type of situation. But I think mm-hmm. we should, I think we need to get past those things, Billy Yanga. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, one of the things, and this is why we're trying to develop uh, here at the People's Black Panther Party, we I really push our mechanisms, our departments being up and running. And one, and I have an outstanding national minister of culture, Manta Sanjata Keita Kamara from the uh, Mandinkin era, brothers teaching us Mandinkin and going through the whole Mandinkin type of thing and, and revolutionary independence uh, philosophy and, and ideology through that cultural aspect of the Mandinkin mm-hmm. empire. And we know that uh, contains Songhai and Timbuktu and Mansa Musa and his namesake Sanjata. A lot of revolutionaries came through that whole Mandinkin um and bloodline, but uh, so I said that to say a lot of our people are culturally starving. Yeah, and I think that you know are culturally starving. So we, you know, you have this consciousness that is amongst us, and they don't want to embrace Christmas, but we still have this. You know, we still have suffered from the American experience, so we want something celebratory. Uh, celebratory. We want something to celebrate and commemorate. Ron Karinga came up with uh, Kwanzaa. I remember the uh, Dr. Khalid Abdul Muhammad came up with Jinnameh to give us these replacements. So you find us embracing this, and this is mostly mainly amongst a lot of the cultural nationalists. So you mm-hmm. see a lot of people celebrating the Kwanzaa are really cultural nationalists and not a revolutionary black nationalist mindset. You know, and and, and well, I think that that's where a lot of the difference comes in. Okay, but see, like, um, like right now, today, did you know that this mm-hmm. is a real holiday in in Kemet in committee in history? Uh, today is is the birthday of Hathor, the the twenty eighth of December. Okay, what, mm-hmm. the month that you call that you call December. Okay, but. Most of us, because we're so wrapped up in the American way of life, uh, we don't even research or look for our own. We look Absolutely. just for 
so conveniently put before us. Absolutely. But, I mean, you know, though, Mother Melody, and in really defense of our master people, this is what our scholars are for, that they, you know, all of us, they have to do the research, and then the job is for us to get that information and disseminate it to the people. I'm not a very big advocate of pushing religious holidays. I, I, I know a lot of y'all is about to get on me. I know everybody's going to have a – I don't really subscribe to comedic sciences, to a lot of these yeah. sciences. I, I, I don't either. I'm Muslim, yeah. you know. Yeah. So I don't so, celebrate none of this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just so saying think, that if they if they are Christian and they want to celebrate some real Christian Coptic holidays, this is the the basis of Christianity is the Coptic religion. Okay, then today is is the day of uh, Sekhemet. Okay, and and twenty fifth was uh, the day of birth of Horus, okay? But I think, uh, Mother Maggie, I think if they did that, that probably would take them out of Christianity, wouldn't it? I think the whole point of them being Christian is like the birth of Christ. I don't know. You know, I don't get into the theology yeah, thing, no, but I think... I don't, the, I don't get into it either, but I'm just saying, you know, I don't understand why we have to still call the white man our enemy, still support him, because the 25th of each month is is actually when the slave masters uh, balance their books, brother. This is this is documented in the slave codes. Okay, every 25th of the month is when the slave master balanced his books and wanted his books in the black. Okay, that's why we have a Christmas in the first place. It has nothing to do with the birth of Christ or Christianity, has everything to do with capitalism, okay? Mm-hmm. So because of like, that, this is the main reason why I yeah, don't celebrate. Yes, because your mic's open. Yes, um, Mama Melody, um, I'd like to say something. I'd like to say this. I did see a comment regarding um, Kwanzaa. What I, what I know uh, is that, here in the Americas, individuals need to first find out who they are and what tribe they came from. Because when we start talking about comedic sciences, we got to first recognize comedic sciences or anything that aspires to uh, regarding Egypt itself. There were, at that time, two, they were black people. They were black Egyptians, and then the slaves that came in there, they were Hebrew slaves. I happen to know that my people were the Fulani, and the Fulani's which is an African tribe from Guinea-Bissau, these individuals left there. Left, they were the slaves there. So now who's we, are we really, I mean, who's um, right, right to okay. not further convolute the situation? Okay. The fact is everybody, everybody mm-hmm. um, yeah. if they embrace, mm-hmm. if they embrace uh, uh, the Kemet aspect of it, well, whose aspect are we dealing with? Are we actually dealing with the slaves that were there? Are we dealing with the, the individuals that were the slaveholders? And guess okay. what? They, they were I black understand. and they were blue black. I understand what you're saying, but that's a European aspect, you see. Because study, I study African history, okay? And the Fulani mm-hmm. people live all over Africa. They are, mm-hmm. they are camel herders. And they right. are the the cattle cattle drivers. They 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 live everywhere. They're in Africa. Yeah, right. But but 
when we talk of ancient Kemet, we're talking of the Kushite empires that that mm-hmm. came. Minata, who was who did come from the part of the the world that we call Kenya, you know that area, the mountain of the moon is located in Mount Kilimanjaro. That is the mountain of the moon, and that is in Kenya. That is in the blackest part of Africa, okay, and came downriver to Memphis and built the first city that is known as Memphis inside of Egypt. So this is the beginning. Were they slave holders? Were they the slave holders? They They had no slaves. They were the ones who were beat back by the... Uh, the uh, the Greeks and the Hysa, those well, people beat them let back. Me, let me let me let me I, because because I don't want to turn it into I'm not going to turn it into right. a, a history lesson. We're gonna have we're gonna have we're gonna have cultural strategy. I, I, I just wanted to say that we can you know, discuss it's that. It's for us to really embrace who it is and where we come from. It's essential that we find out. Who we are. That is my entire yes. point. Black power. Right. Black right. Power, yeah, I love you. I love you too, but brother, you also said something too about the uh the Mandinka, okay, and the Mandinka uh people, right? The Mandinka actually are the Mende people, okay, which are the Soninke, the uh the um um, yeah, Mother Melody. I'm going I'm to I'm have because this is why I want you to call it Saturday. That's when we do our culture show. And we have our National Minister of Culture definitely on Saturdays where we deal, deal with the with the whole cultural ass so, so, so we can keep it on culture. Because, like, now on Wednesdays I deal with the politics because all of that to me is great. That's not my strong point, but that's, that's great. I still struggle with the point of seeing the relevance. In our condition in here today, we can go. I've seen it cause more, be more divisive, and uh-huh. cause more dissension in oh, our, in no. our struggle towards liberation than actual. So I'm still working with our national minister culture, who's still beating me over the head with some things and trying to win me over. You know what I'm saying? Oh, to some, like, oh. different, yeah, yeah, oh. to a different understanding. Yeah, because I'm not a. You know, a lot of that border for me borders borderlines into cultural nationalism. And I'm oh, no. one. I'm one who can't. I don't deny the American experience that has uh-huh. contributed to not just you know my visions and my views, but also to my good and my detriment. You know, what I'm saying your Native American okay. ancestors, all of these things, just living in the hood and so on, that have contributed to what we are today and where we are. Right. Today. So I think that all of them are super important. I'm sorry, so I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, Mother Melanie. But that's that's why I said that it's all related to the American slave code, you see. And that's why I've been trying to educate the people on the slave code. Uh, if you get the book, uh, The American Slave Code in Theory and Practice is Distinctive Features Shown by its Statutes, Judicial Decisions, and Illustrated Facts by William Goodall, you'll see that what I'm saying is actually the reason why we have the problems that we have economically. So we've got to do better economically. This time of mm-hmm. year, if it's balancing their books and we want to over, you know, overturn this government, stop giving them your money. You, you have know, to. You have to. But it goes into a whole – exactly. But, yeah. Mother Mel, you're talking about someone – you're coming from a perspective – 
of someone who has studied that. This is what I'm yeah. talking about. How is that message? That message has to be disseminated to where it's amongst the masses of the people. Listen, I've had someone be so patient on this phone line. Let me click them in. Three one zero zero five six eight. Your mic is open, and you're 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 live on the line. Uh, peace, kings and queens. This is Nikki calling from LA. How are you? I'm good, Sister Nikki. How about you? Black sir? power, queen. Black power. Uh, I am the comrade that uh, Kim is speaking about. Um, my goodness, let me just say. Uh, listening to everything, uh, I just had to sit back with my popcorn because this was getting good. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I really enjoy shows like this because, you know, like I said, I, the things that I don't know, I learn from programs like this. So, you know, you guys are definitely appreciated. Um, I, I caught your show a couple of days ago, and you were talking about um, – like conflict amongst the party, um, the male chauvinist, um, the male ego, and I wanted to speak so bad, but here we go. So I was a part of an organization before um, I found out that I was a cub, okay? But I was a part of an organization, Kim and I, we were both a part of, you know, this whack organization that was being led by a leaderless leader, and um, coming from that whack social club, um, I have found, you know, a, a true friend and in, in a comrade, which is Kim. Um, I've also linked up, you know, with other comrades. And um, from that point, we have uh, established our own, um, our own organization, you know. Good and you, from that – from from that point, you know, in really discovering who I am as a woman, you know, going through situations, you know, with people in the party, with men in the party, you know, not respecting, you know, um, my voice, not respecting my ideals, um, trying to push Nikki in a corner. Journey, um, I, I really discovered who I was, you know, and I really found my strength, which is my love for the people. This was something that I always knew I had. I never needed an organization, you know, to tell me that you have love for the people and you need to go do this and you need to go do that. I did. I found that, you know, um, discovering who I was. I say all of that to say um, I am a cub. And it's official. I got it all checked out, you know, through the Black Panther alumni the L.A. alumni, and mm-hmm. yes, you know, my grandfather and my grandfather brother, you know, were Black Panthers, and, you know, I am under the leadership of a Black Panther, Brother Aaron Dixon, and with me being under his leadership and his guidance, oh, excuse me, and Rashad Birdsong, I'm under his leadership also. Brother Birdsong. I, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my brother. Whenever you speak to him again, tell him uh, he didn't know him by Yanga. Tell me. Uh, okay, yeah, brother Birdsong. I'm familiar with brother Birdsong. Right, he's a great man. Um, yeah, I attended yeah. I attended the um, Black Panther 50th anniversary, the celebration. But not only was I attending the the celebration, but I also had a workshop. You know, I'm in the books. I made history, and. I did that, you know, um, creating 
the programs or actually, you know, actually um, implementing the, the, the programs that the Black Panther has, the 10-point point platform, um, that's what I do. And, and what I'm trying to uh, get the community to, uh, to understand, I'm trying to get the community involved with the community. But with the programs that I have established, like, um, like the community garden, this one right across the street from my house, never really paid much attention to it, you know, because it's on the other side of the street. But, you know, one day I did pay attention to it, and I started talking to the people that work in the garden, and these are just my neighbors you know, that, that just have the key to the garden, and they are all Mexicans. And I went in there, and I just started, you know, learning from them. And, I mean, you know, as much as we talk about them, you know, they are the people that we need to look to, to look at, you know, as far as the way that they organize and the way that they, you know, live together and come together to make it happen. They're leading by example. So I went over there, and I started talking to them. Do you know – since I started talking to them, I am over that community garden. And I have my neighborhood, I have my neighbors in there. You know, we are learning how to plant. We are learning how to grow. And that's one of the programs that, you know, I, I like to say that I started, you know, in my community. Nobody was doing nothing with the garden. But the whole purpose of the garden is to teach self-sufficiency, mm-hmm. to learn how to grow your own food. You know what I'm saying? To learn how to take care of yourself. And this is what the Black Panther Party did back in the 60s. But you already know this because, from my understanding, you know, you are a Black Panther. Oh, um, no doubt. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, it's, I have so much going on in my head. I, I got to get my thoughts together. But I, I want to say this, too. You know, being a queen and being a part of an organization that was 70% women, that's what a lot of these young kings forget, that the Black Panther Party, you know, um, the majority of the party were women, and they were great mm-hmm. organizers, you know. And unfortunately, a lot of women in the Black Panther Party did not get, you know, the, the props that they deserved or the positions that they deserved to be in until Elaine Brown had assumed position as chairman of the Black Panther Party. That's when she put women, you know, in the um, – in the central committee because they needed to be there. I, I I realize now that, you know, being in, in 2016 going on to 2017, it's almost like we are in 1960 all over again. We're definitely in the sixties as far as, you know, black people trying to organize, you know, um, black people are starting to love who they are. You know, as far as being, you know, black and black is beautiful and black power and, you know, say it loud. I'm black and I'm proud. You know, that was the, the era of the 60s. And I mm-hmm. see that today, you know. But the difference between back then and today is that I'm going to speak for today's time, is that a lot of us don't really understand what it means to be proud of who we are. A lot of people are looking at, you know, the the, the, the trends, you know, like the daishikis, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like going natural because it's just, you know, a, a popular hairstyle or, you know, um, being a part of an organization. They don't really know why they want to be a part of this organization. A lot of people are mad. 
a lot of people are mad and 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 they want they want white people to treat them better but yeah. i don't i don't i want freedom by any means necessary i well, want liberation you know, i don't well, want white welcome. people to treat me better actually Absolutely. you know i could i could deal without them they've done enough they've done enough damage you know and mm. the thing that bothers me being a part of an organization, is that why do we feel like, you know, the minute we have something good, the minute we got something going, why do we feel like we have to go outside, you know what I'm saying, to, to be successful? Why do we feel like we have to go to, to white organizations? You know, why do we feel like we have to let white people in before we can even get our shit straight? It I have goes a real back issue to, with that. Absolutely. Well, it goes back to dear sister, like we were talking about earlier in the show. And I definitely appreciate that input. Now, that's what I'm talking First of all, let me see. Let me commend you for the work that you're doing. You know what I'm saying? It takes a lot. You know, pace yourself. My advice, my sincere advice would be to pace yourself, you know what I'm saying, and be and dig down and be ready for the long haul. It's consistency, understanding that the movement is a protracted struggle. That means it's generational. You know, not only do we have to be active, but that activism has to become such a part of our life that our children and the people around us are influenced and inspired to take up the exactly. banner themselves for its right. So that's what we fight. But when you're dealing with a people who, like I said, have come over, see, there's no place called nigger land. I do understand what, like, Mother Melody and stuff is saying about the importance of knowing our tribe and, and where we're from. That is very important. And knowing the detriment of this American experience. Our 10-point platform, one of my favorite points in the platform uh, it says, and I can't remember exactly which one it is. I want to say seven or eight. It says that we demand a history. We demand a true teaching of the history of this decade. That's American seven. Society. Seven. That's okay, point so seven, point, brother. Point seven. No, 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 no. It's point five. It is point, point five. five. I'm sorry. Okay. Point five. Point five. Thank you. So we, 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 the importance for this history to teach the true history is so that our people Prayerfully, we'll be able to do. I take listen. Take a note from the page of the Jews. They've used the Holocaust. Not they don't sit around and they don't bemoan about it. They don't cry about it. They've turned it into a rally cry, a sense of where they can a, a common goal, a common never to let happen again. And believe me, they have different branches: Hasidic Jews, this type of Jew, that type of Jew. I went through New York, and I think I've seen about 20 different types. Of, I mean, you know, I didn't even know they had that many denominations. I don't know what they would call them, fractions or sects or whatever. But one thing I did notice is that they all intermingled, lived together, ate together, and worked in a collective harmony. They worked in such a manner that it advanced them as a people and as a political philosophy. Because it's not just don't believe me, you. To my Hebrew Israelite brothers and sisters out there, they're doing more than just sitting in the synagogue praying about it. They have economic ties. They have lobbies. Why do you think we sponsor Israel? You know what I'm saying? Um, Yahweh or whatever didn't just come and do that for them. It was real work, real activism, a real goal, a real sense of nationalism. Mm -hmm. You know, so when we have that sense, when we start saying that, you know what, everything we need is contained Right here in our communities, amongst ourselves, we have the talent, the ingenuity, we have the resources, we have the labor, we have the commitment, we have the ideas, we have the vision. We just don't have the organization. That's it. 
Can I, can I just man. say this? Yeah. No, I'm so, I'm sorry. Um, I agree yeah. with everything you're saying, you know, as far as the Jews are concerned. But as far as us as a people, you know, um, I don't really know the history on Jewish people, but I know that we have been programmed, you know, and we have been, you know, this has been embedded in us. It goes all the way back to the Willie Lynch letters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the key word is consistency, you know, and they was taught, you know, to every day to 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 break us apart. You know what I'm saying? I mean, from mm-hmm. light skin against dark skin, you know, from, from old lady, you know, versus young lady to, you know, girl versus boy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. we were just, they divided us, period, you know. And with all of that conquering and dividing, you know, they did establish one thing, you know, they, they managed to keep us like this, you know, because they practiced it, you know, every day they was consistent yeah. with it. They did it. They had their children do it. They had the, the, um, the overseers do it. I mean, the shit just went down from generation to generation exactly. to generation. And, 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 you and know? let me add to that. And let me add to that, what you're saying too. And it evolved though. It evolved with them. You see, they went from, like you said, they used to separate the girls from the boys. Now they make the girls into the boys. Exactly. See, they evolved. They stepped exactly. it up. They make the boys into the girls. We ain't got to separate them. We just make them switch their genders. So we have my, to. My question, we have to step our game up. So how do we do right. that? How how do we successfully organize the people? Because, like I said, I'm a one woman band, which mm-hmm. you know I don't mind. I don't mind. You know, I mean, I, I work better by myself. But how well, do we get we, the community to be involved? How do we get okay. the community to be involved with the community? Because a lot nowadays, a lot of people don't want to come out their house. A lot of no. you know nowadays, a lot of people they are afraid to come out. You know, a, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't want to hear you know that black power shit. A lot of people yeah. don't want to hear that. Absolutely. You know, they Absolutely. are they're I mean, thinking they're, about survival. Can you blame them? Can you can you blame them? And that's all that's by design. Like you said, if they keep you thinking about survival, you never think about the next thing after survival, thriving. We have to quit pushing the survival mode and push the thriving mode. That's 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 the degree. That's the error we're in now. Yeah, they don't want to hear that black power shit. It's failed them. It's a farce. It's a fluke. It's a pimp mode. You niggas look good. You sound good, but it's phony as fake. Crime still going on in my neighborhood. Stuff still happening. But believe me, neighborhoods where real pampers are invested. You don't have that. I just left one today. Where real Panthers are, you don't have that same sense of concern, sense of urgency, because they're in with the people. They are the people. They don't come in with an elitist, classist attitude, bourgeoisie attitude that is us against you. Not saying any of us have that, but us, as we have to understand how affected by this white man we really become. We've taken on his ways, his principles, his morals, and his ethics. Elitism, classism. We service the people and we look down on the people. Are we still one of the people? You know what I'm saying? I would address where well, I would start in the neighborhood that's gripped by fear because apparently that's what it is. The people, whoever is in that neighborhood, are running rampant and the neighborhood has lost control because they're scared to come out. So I would address that topic, that issue. And if I got one or two real brothers with me that's serious about it or real sisters that's serious about it, I'll start making those inroads to the trenches. You got a community garden, I'd invite the community. Because you got to know they're going to hit it. They can give you the key or make you over it all they want. The people are over it. They'll run over you to get them vegetables quick, especially if they got to eat. That's just real. they a tomato. I wish you would try to block them from a tomato because it's real. So you got a community and garden. Are you inviting the community? 
Do they really feel Absolutely. like that that's a part of the game? Well, then you have to keep you keep it that you find you 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 have to sell it. See, us that still have that faith and are still disciples of the Black Power Movement that still believe that no, beyond a shadow of a doubt. See, like you said, you're a cub, so you can identify with this because I'm a cub also. That as cubs, we were we were raised. We didn't have the fears of our fathers because and our mothers. Because they was in the past, they didn't know what it was looking like. They was on the front line. We say front lines, oh, hold the front line. ain't no really front line today. They were the front line. They kicked off the fight. They picked the fight. They started the fight. So we were raised as cubs to know beyond the shadow of a doubt, victory is assured. Victory is assured. If it isn't assured with my formation and my wave of freedom fighters, then I'm raising the next wave of freedom fighters and my children and young men so that it will be assured in there. If not assured in there, it's assured in there. But at the end, inevitably, eventually, I mean, inevitably, victory is assured. So with that attitude, it's up to us to go out and be the salesmen of the movement. You have to sell them on that, the importance on that. And it starts with a garden. And then it starts with not just them having time, but start to, if they, you know, grow from it, invest in it. Maybe once your garden starts kicking out some stuff, you want to have a salad party. Throw a barbecue and make sure that you bring in the vegetables. The one way that we get involved in our self-determination is it has to affect us directly. You know what I'm saying? Even if you ask for a mentor, if you adopt, one of the programs I had, you know, we're adopting, we're, re- we're revising SAFE, the Parent for SAFE program, Seniors Against the Fearful Environment. And, what, and we're not trying to do any grandiose thing. We're not trying to grandstand and do a million takeover nursing homes and things of that nature. I'm saying adopt one senior, one elder. And when you adopt that one senior or one elder, do something, do something once a month for them, whether it's cut their grass, take out their trash, run them to the grocery store, take them to a doctor's appointment. Adopt a senior. We have to return the neighbor back to the hood. We need neighborhoods again. Adopt that senior. And then the next program, then we'll work on that. And then it may be know your neighbor. How many of us know the people three houses down from us on each side or our neighbors three doors down from us on each side? Know them by name, not just the passing in the hallway. They've actually had some physical contact. See, so we have to start the whole community, and it's not going to be on a major scale. It really is. It ain't even grassroots. It's dirt root. It's mud. We're in the mud movement. We done lost the grassroots. Like you said, the only thing to me, I understand what you were saying about the 60s, but the only thing to me that we have recaptured from the 60s is the jargon and the dress. It's become a pageantry. It's uh, To me, it's mm-hmm. almost complicated. It's it's buffoonery. So we look the part. We say the shit off the pig, fight the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wear the medallion. We do all of that. But the spirit, the true understanding behind why we're doing it, that sense of self worth and self pride, was so real. You know what I'm saying? That you didn't even know it coming up a cub. I didn't even know that all black houses went like that. I thought everybody got off on being black. That was. Like my mm-hmm. man Pop says, I remember when Marvin Gaye used to sing to me, had me feeling like black was the thing to be. That I just thought being black was the thing to be. That was the hippest, slickest, cool shit on the street, boy. You black. And that sense has to come back. When I self work, when they hit us with materialism, 
when we integrated, we not only integrated the, the biggest, the worst thing we could have integrated was our money and our resources. We integrated our minds. We mixed our minds. So we started to take on their ways. And so we started holding their things that they hold of importance and self-worth and value as our same thing. We took on their standards. So now if you're not wearing Hugo Boss, if you don't have a, a $80,000, $90,000 job, year, year job, and all of this type of stuff, we have our standards are different. What it used to be, if Daddy came home from the trash truck smelling like garbage, it was that everything had a symbol and a place. You didn't know exactly what this Negro did. They say call Daddy, but for some reason, his presence was felt, all was missed. It was, we had a sense and a semblance of community. We had a working scale and model how that went. If you was over a neighbor's house and it was dinner time, it was dinner time, you ate with Tiff. You ate baby shit out. I wish you would tell one of the mothers, no, you ain't finna eat her cooking. Where hospital come get you from? You ain't finna what? You ain't about to eat. I'm from that era where the Panthers was only the Panthers because of the community base. Hmm. The Panthers was only the Panthers because when they said all powers to the people, that was their job to empower the people to ensure they just was the vanguard of the people. We the masses. It was the mamas coming and then grandmama coming in. Why? Come in and see them Panthers with them. A uh, 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 Panther butt might get you a slice of pie on Sunday when you walk in Panther Patrol. That's what I'm talking about. Right on, mama. Y'all boys come in and get some of this pie. Ooh, fresh pie out the oven right on. Shit, you think them brothers wasn't ready to walk patrol? They know what pie was ready on Sunday because the community love them. Might get you a plate. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You might get a good plate. Sisters that ain't wave to your years, wave and smile, happy to see you. Shit, you'll take that. Yeah, damn, okay. It was that sense of honor. You knew what you was doing. See, they didn't have no sense of it now. Now the cat is given so easily. That's why I like over the Queens, I believe that y'all have a cub uh, in, in one of those that plays a role in the development. I don't know exactly how that works. But bringing that spirit and yourself being a cub and Bringing that experience is going to be invaluable. I'm telling you, because the revolution is infectious. It is, man, it's like, I guess the Christians would call it the Holy Ghost, man. It's a quickening of the spirit. It, 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 it's, that's why they call it movement. It's action, baby. It's a verb. You know what I'm saying? You got to get down and do what you got to do. So this is just, once we have this, we, we act as transmitters of this to the people. Our job, we have the toughest task. The most, it's, it's thankless. It's not, you don't get the rewards, you don't get the accolades, none of that stuff, but it's the most fulfilling. And that is to take all of this information, all of these just resources, all of these networks, and break it down for the everyday average. Brothers and children that have, don't know Africa ain't around. Africa is where they, you get to have where you're from. I'm talking about them brothers and sisters. We talk, you know what look, you know what Africa is? I'm talking about little Africa where they tell inside my nigga. Uh-huh. I'm talking about them brothers and sisters. When you can go and you reaching them, you are doing the work of it. That's when it becomes fulfilled. It's tiring, it's exhausting, but that's when it comes fulfilled. Because when you enlighten that one and they go back and they enlighten another. And and, and my advice to them would be like I tell people, you identify this is why you got to know your community. You identify those with that leadership ability and talent. You don't have to be out there with every soldier. Get you a, ment- a mentoree. Find you a young person. You want to spend time and this and that, man. My soldier got on me. He, like I said, was so slick how he checked me. 
but really didn't check me, but check me about consistency, about time. He said, how do you expect soldiers to have dedication and follow a leader if they don't ever see him? If he don't have time for them, if he's not reinvesting the vision, recharging the soldiers, it's good for morale. He didn't say it in those words, but that's all I'm telling you as a revolutionary man. He said, me, revolutionary politics. These are the words that said me, dang. You know what I'm saying? And the words coming down with it is abandonment. And with abandonment comes disappointment. We already in the community suffer from abandonment issues. So when our leaders are back, so that, like you were saying, that consistency reinforces or starts the, the energy moving, that ball moving towards it won't be there as a consistency, stability. Consistency means stability. Stability is associated with safety. Safety is love. Security, that's love. So the community gets involved when they see how it affects their everyday life, not just their mental and spiritual and emotional aspects, but physical. So then we introduce the programs of pulling together, food pantries of eating together twice a week if you can. And it doesn't, and it doesn't start out big. It starts out with one or two people. That's why in the People Black Family the Party, we have study groups. It starts out with one or two people. That's it, a think tank. And they go support and they do the Black Power, point number one and nine local objectives. In ours is to develop a develop a strong black power movement. A black power movement is not a black power organization. It is a movement. It is a conglomerate of organizations and formations working together in cohesiveness to achieve and accomplish an outcome. And that outcome is our complete and total freedom, liberation, and empowerment as African people here in America. If we all agree on that, we all can play our role, stay in our lane, man. What's the problem, What is the problem? So we push for that. So to create that movement, even if it's two or three of you, you go to the various progressive black organizations and you lend support. In the city, like the cities I go to, I encourage down here in the A, you know what I'm saying? We know how we know the other activists is because we support them. Kalanji now, this and that. When we see them in the streets and there's something that's righteous and we build on the same thing, we may not agree on everything. So the things we don't agree on, we're not going to talk about, we're not going to discuss. I ain't probably, you ain't going to see me there, bro. I don't support you like that. But this thing that we get, we're trying to accomplish and get done, yeah, I'm there. All day, I'm your man. Ten toes down. You see what I'm saying? So we have to build like that. And then when you build like that, you get people that want to come check out and sit in your study group. And if your group is tight and it's reflective of the current events and it's really addressing some real issues and you're just not on the bullshit, you're just not on the uh, whatever, but really on some progressiveness, man, boom, bim, bam, bam. Then you start to build a strong cadre, what's called a cadre. And we can go into that, man, and, 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 and get into that. But that's, to me, it starts to defy with the whole, with Huey, Huey being the ideological genius. I was watching a documentary with the soldiers, and they were saying Huey was the ideological genius. And Bobby was more the organized, administrative type cat. And you put them together, and you got this combination that you got. But him being an ideological genius, and I'm going to tell you, some of his writings, I think, are as as clear as political manifestos as anything they get out there, as that Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, as Sheridan Mao, same tongue, as the writings of guerrilla warfare of, by Hubert, I'm talking about political manifestos, anything, I think Huey's concept and grasp of what he, of self-determination and self-sufficiency in creating these uh, communalist programs, these programs that we socialize ourselves, that we built on ourselves was outstanding. Because we have to understand these 
breakfast programs and all of these programs that they were running were not, they weren't 501c3. They didn't huh. have the big grants and all of that. They were community-based. The community provided for the community. The Panthers just acted as a, the Panthers just acted as a uh, catalyst, as a distributor for the goods to the community. But it was community that brought the resources to the Panthers. You feel me? It was a community that brought the resources to the Panthers. So in our seven minutes, what I want to do is because we do have one on the line and, 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 and honoring Mother Hubby, I'm going to open up her mic and see if she has, if would like any closing words or parting thoughts. Mother Melody. Yes, Brother. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. So we got a couple minutes before we close, and I definitely want to pay that respect to you and let you have some closing thoughts or some, some things you'd like to share with us. Well, number one is they stole our language, our mother tongue. That was the first thing that they took from us. So let's take it back. That's all I got to say. Let's take it back, and then maybe we can build from there. Okay. Okay? Because, okay. I mean, there are, there are not a lot of languages, but the key one is Swahili. Swahili is spoken all over because it is the trader's language. It is the language that they use for barter and trade all over. Okay. Okay? Black power. And all power to my young black people. I love to hear y'all talking. Okay? Okay. Black power, Mother Melody. Thank you so much for sharing that. So we got, uh, you know, so we got just sister. Let me get sister, sister justice. Yes, sir. You want some closing words in the last couple minutes? Yes, I, I'd like to say once again, sir, uh, another bad creation, as uh, one of the rap groups can say. Uh, this was really a good conversation, and these are the things that we need to be talking about as a whole, uh, because some people are just totally oblivious. And I need to say uh, that you need to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we, you, you, you know, your comrades and your, your subordinates are in total. We are in total support of you, sir. Like, I'll also mention uh, what's happening in Queens uh, on Saturday and uh, the stuff okay. that we have to deal with. Please try to mention that. Okay. Uh, Gordon, wait, your mic goes and mention it. Well, your mic is well, in, in, in Queens, the, the uh, Queens, Hollis Queens chapter of the People's Black Panther Party are doing uh, a coat giveaway. Uh, it's going to be for girls, the coats and the things that we have. It's for girls, but we are encouraging the fathers to come and be able to get the coats and bring their daughters with them, that they might be able to be um, <clears throat> the ones that aren't, uh, such as my son, <laughs> might be able to be redeemed in the eyes of their daughters. Um, I have here my granddaughter and my grandson, and I'm looking at them, and they're like basically teenagers, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. But um, in the meantime, again, like I said, uh, Brother Chairman, Black Power, Black Power to my brothers and sisters out there that's holding the line because this thing is not easy. Those people that decide they're going to come in and as soon as something's wrong two or three years or four years down the line, 
and they decide they're not Panthers no more. They retired. I don't understand how you retired from being a Panther, but guess what? We still here holding the line. So the chairman, Black Power, to you, salute. Black Power, thank you. And and what and if we can get that information, man, let me big shout out to Queens for that, definitely. Um, and doing their thing. Get that information on our on our Facebook page. And what I would ask everybody to do that's listening, that's in a formation or no contact with formation, put that information out. If you got peoples in the Queens area that can come get some of these toys and coats, I think, or I didn't, what was it, coats, and meet the people. We got to stop. This is what we talk about, that black movement, that black movement. It's not about organization. When we talk about aiding and assisting our people and we got coats, I'm telling you, I don't care what formation. You tell me, yo, we feeding the people, man. We got a program over here, this and that. You know, we the Black Panthers of of, of you ain't heard of us. You know, and, and also if, you, if, you, if, if you pass a background check, you know what I'm saying, and and you know what I'm talking about, you revolutionaries, you know what I'm talking about, a revolutionary background check, yo, man, I'm sending them your way. Love to meet your commander, rap to your commander, talk to some people in charge, but I'm sending them your way, man. It's about aiding and assisting the people. Uh, Jeff, you want to say something in our last two minutes? Well, 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 really quick. Uh, these are brand new coach. Uh, they're brand new. We wouldn't have nothing less for 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 our young princesses. So, um, I need for folks to understand that brand new coach they're giving away in front of 192 Park uh, on Hollis Avenue in Queens. Uh, the chairman in what's your chairman's name, sir? In uh, in in in, in Queens. In the Robert Gray. Yes, and Hollis. Yeah. I think it's uh, well, Brother Rob. Yeah, Brother Rob, my guy. Right, That's my right. Guy. So he's going to be out there, and I'm going to be out there lending support. Black Power. Black Power. That's what's up, man. So if you got people, and I close, man, if you got people out there in Hollis, in Queens, you know, it's getting cold. It's still you still going into January and stuff. It's getting cold. Send them out there to get those coats. Honestly, you know, allow us allow us to be a service, do serve our part. And that part of the movement, empowering our people and providing assistance uh, for our people. Listen, great topic. Thank everyone for calling in. It was, like always, it was good. Glad that everybody checked in and shared with us. So you can check the blog for the next time we're on and see when, we, see when we're out there and when we're coming at you. Like I said, I'm going to end it like I, like I brought it in. All powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power. 